0: Hello, and welcome to Jonathan's Verdicts. I'm Jonathan Simeone. The title of this episode is Democrats would rather have Meghan McCain's vote than mine. The verdict for this episode is Democrats care more about power and politics than they do people. I decided to record this episode after thinking about the democrats response to coronavirus and the democrats response to the republicans response to coronavirus and what i'm thinking about is how democrats so consistently fail to represent the wishes and desires of people and In doing so, I want to talk about the history, not just the coronavirus. So we hear all the time about how Democrats stand up for working people. Democrats are the parties for working people. Democrats uh, support voting rights and access to polling places. But beyond the rhetoric... What did Democrats do to prove any of that? Let's go back to 2000 when the Supreme Court handed the presidential election to George W. Bush even though Al Gore had more votes and Florida hadn't finished counting. For those of you not old enough to remember... The outrage was palpable on the left. The Electoral College was, the, was evil, <clears throat> and we had to do something about the Electoral College. But you'll notice that after 2000, literally nothing was done by Democrats other than wine and talk to change the Electoral College. Even when Democrats had control of all three branches of government. They made no serious effort to change the Electoral College. Admittedly, it would have been difficult, but they didn't even really try. They just told people they cared about it a lot without actually doing anything. Then, of course, 2016 happened, and Hillary Clinton won the election by 3 million votes, even more than Al Gore won, or the popular vote, and lost the election. And Democrats went on a rampage about, oh, the Electoral College is so terrible, and oh, it's so unfair, and people's votes should count. And, but what have they done? What have they done other than talk? What efforts have gained steam in the House to even attempt to make an issue of the Electoral College. What have states led by Democratic governors done to raise the issue of amending the Constitution? And the answer is nothing. Nothing. Now, if this was really about representing the people, if this was really about empowering the people and making sure that more people's votes counted, and making sure that the party really did represent the will of the people, Democrats would have a very strong vested interest in not only talking about the electoral college sometimes and feigning outrage, but they would actually be outraged. They would be outraged to the point of actually wanting to do something about it. But let's look at the electoral politics of recent weeks even. There's all this talk about Democrats uh, uh, being outraged by Wisconsin holding its primary. And now we know that 19 people who participated in the the primary have now conducted or have now come down with COVID-19. Now, we don't know if they got it there. Uh, but we don't know that they didn't. And we don't know that lots of other people who voted didn't also have the virus. But we do know that 19 people who participated now have COVID-19, which is a very serious problem. And Democrats are spinning this like the Democratic governor opposed it and Democrats opposed voting in Wisconsin and the, Republicans in Wisconsin and the Republican U.S. Supreme Court forced people to go to the polls. But what Democrats don't want to talk about is the fact that a a primary was held in Illinois, a state with a Democratic governor, uh, a Democratic administration, Democrats all throughout the government. And Democrats were is supportive of that. Joe Biden uh, used to talk nonsense about we voted during two world wars. We voted during a civil war. And of course, uh, the two world wars were fought in Europe. So there really was no reason for people to not vote here. And during the civil war, most of the fighting was in the South and the South was was not participating in union activities. So again, the voting argument is historically just inaccurate and frankly stupid. The other part is that uh, voting during a a war does not risk one unless a polling station is bombed or blown up. But voting during a pandemic, a virus pandemic – is inherently a very dangerous activity. That is especially true when the virus seems to hit the elderly harder than any other age group because the elderly are disproportionately represented in the uh, universe of poll workers and they vote in higher numbers. And up until uh, a few days or so before the Wisconsin primary, Biden was still supportive of people voting. We still had to carry on our democracy. And so you see, it's the hypocrisy of things. I suspect that if they had polling data that showed Bernie Sanders winning Wisconsin uh, a couple weeks before the primary, a week or two, suddenly uh, Democrats would have been all in favor of canceling the primary, long before they actually were. If Bernie Sanders was going to win in Illinois, I suspect the Illinois primary would have been canceled. Now, that's just speculation on my part. But again, uh, the hypocrisy and the the just outrageously stupid arguments being put forward by Democrats – shows that they don't actually care about the people. It's all about the politics. If your first priority is the people, then canceling all primaries uh, until we get voting by mail set up is a no-brainer. That's what you would do. You wouldn't even debate the issue. You would say, I am 100% in favor of canceling voting in person. That is the responsible, appropriate thing to do. That's not what Joe Biden said. It's not what leadership in Congress said. It's not what Tom Perez, the leader of the Democratic National Committee, said. Because it's all about power and politics. That's what this is about to Democrats. Let's look at the congressional response to the virus. As we all know, the horrendous statistics of 26 million people losing their jobs in the last several weeks. 26 million people. We don't have an exact number, but we know that the number of people who've lost their health insurance as a result of job loss is around half of that, maybe up around 13 million or so. We know it's in the millions, Millions of people have lost health insurance during a pandemic. And uh, Congress has passed four bills, four bills. They've done basically nothing to expand health care. They've given people one uh, $1,200 stimulus payment, which for most people isn't even a month's rent. They expanded unemployment insurance, but because of the chronic underfunding of government, the dilapidated employment process systems at the state level have failed in almost every instance. There are people who have been in, applying for unemployment literally for weeks and have not received a penny in owed unemployment compensation. That is embarrassing. But Democrats can't bring themselves to propose systems that would actually get money directly into people's hands. They can't increase SSI and SSDI payments, as I've talked about before. They haven't fought to increase an expansion of the SNAP program with greater benefits. Uh, that would get money to the hands of poorest the poorest people in this country. Uh, they could have advocated an expansion of SSI retirement programs to get payments in the hands of elderly people. They could have reduced people's payments by canceling student loan debt and saved a whole bunch of people a lot of money that way. Uh, they could have come up with rental assistance instead of talking some about rent moratoriums. They've done none of that, none of that. Instead, they've tried to give money to small businesses and let the Trump administration control the agenda. There was supposed to be an oversight board, but predictably, Donald Trump is already sabotaging that. He has removed the person who would have run it under the original construction. And Nancy Pelosi has demonstrated the fact that she's not really interested in oversight by appointing Donna Shalala as the House representative to the Oversight Board. Now, for those who don't know, Donna Shalala was President Clinton's Health Secretary, Health and Human Services Secretary. She doesn't have a background in economic issues. She doesn't have a background in the law, yet she's the House's representative on an oversight panel of treasury programs, something she literally has no demonstrated background, knowledge of understanding. And amazingly, although, you know, probably we shouldn't be surprised at this point, she also, Donna Shalala, has ethics problems around stock transactions an ethics report has been filed with Congress, claiming that Shalala knew uh, about the mandate to file financial forms around stock sales, and that she didn't do it. Shalala has admitted that she knew about the deadline and just didn't file the paperwork. No word yet as to whether this, you know, obvious violation of ethics will be punished. But the point is, we now have someone representing the people, supposedly, on the oversight board, with no background in the issues that are uh, being addressed by the board, and an ethical uh, an ethical history of dishonesty uh, around issues of stock sales. That's Nancy Pelosi's choice uh, to represent the people. Uh, You know, I don't always agree with Katie Porter, Uh, but anyone who's watched the briefings – I do agree with her a lot, by the way, but not always. But the point is anyone who's watched Congress since 2019 knows that Katie Porter is the most skilled questioner. She's the most uh, prepared when it comes to these kinds of oversight activities. She has the legal background. She has the consumer protection background. If this was really an exercise in oversight, Katie Porter would have been the perfect choice. That's her life. That's her background. That's her skill set. She's demonstrated it uh, during oversight hearings over and over again. But instead, Nancy Pelosi gives us Donna Shalala who has ethical questions and no business, no training, no skills, no, no, no reason why she's representing the House on a financial oversight board. So again, it's not about the oversight. It's not about making sure the money gets to the people. It's about power and politics. That's what this is about look at the bills again back to the back to the bills uh, Nancy Pelosi is now saying well now we're gonna introduce a bill in the house now we're gonna go we're really gonna fight for money for the states money for state and local governments uh, we're gonna fight for the people this time we're gonna introduce our own bill we're gonna have hazard pay yada 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 now her fight even when she talks about it, doesn't go far enough. It doesn't put more money directly in the hands of the American people, as I described above. It it doesn't address uh, the fact that so many people don't have access to health insurance during a pandemic, um, and it's you know Mitch McConnell's already signaled opposition. Mitch McConnell's constituency, business, already has most of the money that's gone out, right? So McConnell's saying, let the states go bankrupt. We might not give you a bill at all. Might not give you a bill at all. And and this is the whole problem. Instead of leading, instead of fighting, Democrats have taken a back seat throughout the entire process. And You know, now that the Republican priorities have been met, what incentive is there for Republicans to give to Democrats? Just look at the last bill, right? Democrats will say, well, we got money for hospitals. But under our system, getting money for hospitals means giving money to large hospital corporations by and large. You're not helping small community hospitals. Democrats say we got money for expanded testing. Yes, I mean, talk about too little, too late. There's supposed to be a strategy on testing in 30 days. (laughs) In 30 days. More than 53,000 people have already died. But there'll be, you know, a report on a testing strategy in 30 days. And again, there's nothing in the bill for the people. Only one Democrat, AOC, only one Democrat voted no, voted to say, this is ridiculous. At some point, we have to do something for the people. But you see, Democrats know, because it's, you know, she's already basically alluded to it, that people like Meghan McCain are voting for Joe Biden, and that's what Democrats want, and it may work this time. Democrats, you know, because of the virus and because of, I mean, Trump talking about people ingesting disinfectants and stuff that, I mean, really almost no one can defend at this point, Democrats will probably win. Biden will probably be the president. But the problem is Biden's not going to do anything to make anybody's life better. Republicans will instantly start screaming about the debt and the deficit even though it didn't matter uh, You know when we were talking about allowing – giving companies huge tax cuts so they could have stock buybacks. The debt and the deficit didn't matter – Two years ago, when they wanted to do that, but it'll matter again. And good old Uncle Joe, good old compromising, spineless Uncle Joe, uh, will be glad. He'll be more than glad to put Social Security on the table and Medicare and Medicaid, as he has literally for forty years. And so, uh, you know, even during the Obama administration. Uh, Democrats agreed to cutting the estate tax, the death tax as they call it, saving wealthy people extravagant amounts of money. Uh, Good old sleazebag Uncle Joe will be right there uh, compromising and selling out the people. And the thing is, the Republicans will organize another Tea Party. We've seen this in the response to the virus. You know, these aren't organic protests, they're paid for by large groups and fomented through Facebook, by and large. And the media will cover it as if they're real protests without, you know, always giving people the whole story about how it's happening and so forth. And then we'll go into the midterms and the Democrats will probably lose. And it's so cyclical. It's so obvious how this plays out because Democrats don't want to do something to really invigorate the party. Democrats don't want to do something that mobilizes workers and young people and people of color into a party that is passionate about what they're doing. Because if they were, Democrats, the current Democratic establishment which supports corporations and the wealthy over workers and the people would lose power. So they're happy with a choice of two appalling candidates and saying, well, our candidate's not as terrible as theirs. That's what, that's what they want. They don't want a candidate that actually – speaks to the wills, the will of the people and to the workers. You know, uh, as I said in, my, in a previous episode, lowering the Medicare age to 60 is a slap in the face. It's nothing for the vast majority of people and probably supported by health insurance corporations. And the last thing that I want to touch on in this episode is... This idea that the the electoral college, to finish where we started, if Democrats had an idea that the electoral college was gone, and all of the voter turnout in California, and Washington and Oregon and Massachusetts, and New York, all of those votes would count. Democrats would have to run, to the left. They would actually have to represent the will of the people because there would be advantages to driving voter turnout. But you see, everyone peddles this false narrative in the elite that Democrats benefit when there's higher voter turnout and, de- and Republicans benefit when there's lower voter turnout. It's actually more complicated than that. Democrats want a certain level of voter turnout. But Democrats don't want 70 to 75 to 80 percent of the public voting. They don't want that. Democrats want to continue fighting over Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania because they like fighting over conservative policies. They don't want to have a voter turnout that impacts young people. They don't want People to feel empowered by the idea that they might have health insurance someday that's not tied to their jobs. That's why this is all nonsense. It's all about the power and the politics. It is not about the people. It's not about uh, building a, a political party that represents the people. The Democratic Party is a bought-and-paid-for corporate entity that kind of pretends to not be. And I'll just finish with this piece of information to prove that. We spent much of the campaign season, because of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, uh, talking about average voter contributions. We were talking about who was funding your campaign, right? Right. But now that that's over, now that the establishment has worked in a choreographed effort to destroy the progressive movement, uh, to eliminate the chance that Bernie Sanders could actually win, uh, now that they've sent people out during a pandemic to vote to make sure Joe Biden had a better chance of success, right? Right. Now you see the real Democratic Party coming forward. They announced a couple of days ago a joint fundraising agreement between the Biden campaign and the DNC that would allow individual contributors to contribute up to, I think it's $360,600 to the Biden campaign if Biden ran his campaign without taking advantage of the loophole in the law and joining it to the DNC, they would have to abide by the $2,800 individual limit that we were talking about during the primary. But that would mean Biden's favorite wealthy contributors couldn't contribute hundreds of thousands of dollars and continue their access and control over the Democratic Party. So voila, now they have a joint agreement, and millionaires and billionaires can give up to $360,600 each. And all of this talk about PAC money, right? Well, now, of course, the Democratic Party is ramping up its efforts to get PACs to use dark money. So Citizens United's terrible. We should get rid of Citizens United. We should get rid of the wealthy buying our elections. That's what we heard about for over a year. They all talked about that nonsense. Oh, how evil Citizens United is. Oh, oh. and now they're taking advantage of it. They're running exactly under the Citizens United playbook. That's what they're doing. So you – Expect people who say, "Well, you know, I have to do this. I, I, we don't have a choice. The other side's going to do it." We have no. You have a choice. Integrity, morality, character is a choice. They just don't have those things, and their base, their constituency, isn't the American public. Their constituency is the corporations and the wealthy who have long since bought and paid for the Democratic Party. That's what this is about. That's why it's about power and politics. And that's why, barring fundamental change, it will never be about the people. And that is why I am never Biden. And that is why I will not vote in the presidential election. Thank you for listening to this episode of Jonathan's Verdicts.